the Gemara in Yuma speaks about what the reason for the Chorban Bayis Rishain was and what the reason for the Chorban Bayis Sheni was. And the Gemara says that the Bayis Rishain was destroyed because of the three cardinal sins. They violated Abaydezara and Gilei Arayas and Shvichas The second Beis HaMikdash, the Gemara says, was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, because we had what we call baseless hatred. There was hatred that we had towards each other that had no reason. There was no reason for me to dislike. Sometimes I dislike somebody for an obvious reason. A person, I don't know, is not nice to me, embarrasses me, humiliates me, uh, uh, he steals money from me, cheats me in business. There's some reasons that, you know, sinna is somewhat justified. It's still an avera. It's not a good thing to, to hate anybody, of course. But there are some times that we have... I don't really have a good reason to hate the guy. I just hate him. I don't know why. You ask me why, I don't know. I just There's something about him that I just don't like. It might be I don't like his, uh, you know, the way he looks, the way he dresses. I don't like the color of his yarmulke. I don't like that he wears a hat, that he doesn't wear a hat, that he, uh, you know, the type of hat that he wears. I don't like uh, that he sings too loud by davening or he doesn't sing at all by davening. He talks by davening. He doesn't talk by davening. I don't like him. I Whatever. There's, it, there's no real good rational reason for me not liking him. I just don't like him. That seems to be a pretty benign issue, but it's not that benign. The Gemara says that that's the reason why the Beis HaMikdash Hasheni was destroyed. And the Gemara goes a step further and makes an equation and says, and we learn from this, that if the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of the three cardinal sins and the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, it means that Sinas Chinam must be on par with the three cardinal sins. So clearly Sinas Chinam is something that we have to really work on ridding ourselves of. And I think if we look into ourselves, we might not hate people like this, but we certainly don't like people for no reason. It happens all the time, even to nice people, even to good people. There are some people that we like, they have a natural chain, and everybody likes them, and they're popular, and they're, uh, they're smart, and they're funny, and they're witty, and they, uh, they're just, uh, you just, you just like them. And then there are people that, you know, they don't, you just don't like them so much. They're just not likable people. Um, they don't have a chain, they don't have a, everything that they say rubs you the wrong way, grates on your nerves, and uh, it might be a sibling, it might be, a, you know, a, somebody in shul, it might be a roommate, a chavrusa. There are people that we just don't like. We may not hate them, hate is a very strong word, but we don't like them, and we have no rational reason for not liking them. If you push me against the wall, you pin me against the wall, and you ask me, what do you have against them? I could think, and I won't be able to tell you a really good reason other than the fact that I just don't like the guy. I, I don't know. And for that, the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. That's the path towards destruction of the Bayasheni when a person does not like another Yid for no reason. Just because I don't like him. Baseless. There's no basis for it. It's just a... Uh, just, uh, it just, that's the way I am. I just don't like the guy. So if we're in the days of Bena Mitzarim, 
and we're in the intensified days now of the nine days. We're in Erev Shabbos Chazayin. The Beis Hamikdash was destroyed a week from a week from yesterday. So it behooves us, obviously, to think about how we could rectify the problem. Because if you if you ever want to come up with a solution to a problem, you have to go to the root cause and and then understand, try to figure out how to how to undo that root cause. If the Gemara is telling us that the root cause of the gullus that we're in is sinas chinam, so obviously we have to figure out how to get rid of that. And there's a famous vart that said, it said b'shem a number of people, I think most famously Rav Kook, but it's also quoted in the name of Chafetz Chaim and even earlier Gedalim, it's quoted that if the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, it will only be rebuilt with Avas Chinam. The opposite of Sinas Chinam, of baseless hatred, is Avas Chinam, is baseless love. Baseless love. That sounds really good, right? It's a great bumper sticker. It's a great quote for a book. But what does it mean? What does that mean, Avas Chinam? What does that mean, Avas Chinam? It sounds so nice. Sinas Chinam, it's a play on that. The opposite of Sinas, Avas Chinam. Sounds good. What does that mean, Avas I love you for no reason. What does that mean? Not so clear. It's not clear what it means. Uh, we just hear the... The piskum, we hear the quote, but we don't understand. You need a, you need a to darshan the quote a little bit. What that means, avas Just to expand on it a little bit, perhaps a purish to it might be something that Rabbi Yisrael Salanter once said. He says that the Torah teaches you v'yahafta l'reacha kamecha. You have to love your friend like you love yourself. Now, that's a very hard thing to do. How do I love you like I love me? I love me because I love me. I, you know, everybody has a, an inborn love for themselves. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us that way because if we hated ourselves, it wouldn't be a good life. We would not be happy with ourselves. We would not you know, want to survive. We would not want to exist. So everybody, hopefully, healthy people, hopefully have like a certain an ego, a pride, and that's not always a bad thing. A lot of times, you know, you think of ego and pride as being a, with negative connotations and it's gaiva. Sometimes it's a very important thing to have an ego. Not a, obviously a gargantuan ego, not that you think you own the world ego, but an ego is a healthy thing, especially for Yeshiva Bachar. Reb Shleim Zalman used to tell people, used to tell his Talmidim, that if they're going to learn Sifrei Musr, which is vital to learn, as Yeshiva Bachar, it's better to avoid learning about the ills of Gaiva, he said. Don't you skip that chapter. You know, when you're learning uh, whatever it is, uh, if it's Archa uh, Sadikim, or if it's if it's Archas Yaisha, or any of these Svarim, the Pelayay, it's whenever you get to Gaiva, skip that chapter. As a, as a yeshiva bacher. Why? Because it's very important for yeshiva bacher to have a certain gaiva de kedusha, a certain holy 
ego, a holy pride. If you're working on your anava and all day long you're trashing yourself and you're saying, I'm a nothing, I'm a garnished, I'm who am I? I'm up for the afer and I'm never going to amount to anything and I'm worthless and I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like treading water. I'm like uh, getting C's in class and there's, what am I going to do with my life? And if that's what your constant refrain is, you will never achieve godless in your life. For a boy, for a young man, for a young woman to be able to really have dreams, to strive for greatness... They need to have ambition. And ambition is fueled by a certain sense of gaiva, covet, ego, whatever you want to call it, which are pejoratives, but it's the fuel that, that builds things. You can't deny that. You can't deny that if you're driving past Manhattan and you see skyscrapers, all those skyscrapers are basically trophies to people with egos. Without ego, without pride, without ambition, nobody would have reason to build the tallest building in the world or the fanciest building or the, or the most, uh, the, the, build a, a, better, a better machine, a better computer, a better phone, a better, a better website, a better broadcast. Nobody would have that ambition because what's the point? What's the point? For who? For what? Like, who am I? In order to build, in order to accomplish in life, you have to have vision, you have to have a dream, you have to have a healthy self-esteem, and you have to say to yourself, I can do this. I got this. This is good. I, I can do this. If you never say that to yourself, if you never believe that you could do this, then you're not going to finish a mesechta, you're not going to get married. You're not going to start a family. You're not going to get a career. You're not going to build a business. You're not going to uh, grow your business because, you know, who am I? What am I? I'm nothing. A person has to have a certain self-esteem. Sir Shlem Zalman used to say that a person has to hold of himself and never stop holding of yourself. Maybe when you get old and gray, you could start learning about Gaiva a little bit, but... You need that fuel to boost your, your rockets into the orbit. Without that fuel, you're not gonna, it's, not, it's just going to fizzle, it's just going to fade, it's going to stall every dream that you have because it's going to die in the, in the Beis HaKvar is called Gaiva or anti-Gaiva, Nivus. So of course Gaiva is not a great thing, but it's also a very important thing. So you have to, like everything else in life, you have to find a healthy balance. But don't destroy the Gaiva. You need the Gaiva to get through your, to, to see dreams through to the end. Everybody in life, says Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, loves himself or should love himself. If you don't love yourself, then you have to work on yourself to love yourself. It's important to hold of yourself. It's important to say to yourself every day, I am great. I am Nivra B'Tzalem Kim. This is what I'm dreaming of. I want to be a, a Talmud Chacham. I want to be a Lamdan. I want to be a Bucky and Shas. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a professor. I want to be an architect. Whatever your dreams are, Always believe in those dreams. Always say to yourself, I can do this. Because the second that you say, eh, I'm never going to be able to do it. No one believes in me. I don't believe in me. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu created in all of us an avas atzmai, a love for oneself. Even though 
very often I have no real reason to love myself. Maybe I'm not so great. Maybe I'm not so perfect. Maybe I have really bad midas. Maybe I'm really not working as hard as I can. Maybe I waste a ton of time every day. Maybe, I, But I still love myself in spite of my flaws. I know my own flaws and you know your flaws. And I love myself and you love yourself in spite of those flaws. You don't let those flaws get in the way. You just see them as, you know, as, as temporary, a mum iver, we call it, like a, a, a passing mum, if, if a mum at all. Cesar Bishal Salanter, that's what the Torah means. You should love yourself, you should love your friend like you love yourself. What does that mean? Just like you love yourself. Even though you're not perfect, but you don't see the imperfections, you see yourself as being really, really solid. And when you mess up, you feel bad a little bit, but you don't, it hopefully doesn't shake you from your core belief in yourself and your love for yourself, you still love yourself in spite of the fact that sometimes you're annoying to yourself, sometimes you're not taking care of yourself, sometimes you're not doing things that you're proud of, but you still have an inherent love for yourself. You have to love other people in spite of their flaws. Is it easy sometimes to have sinas chinam to, to dislike people because of flaws that they have, because I don't like their voice, I don't like their face, I don't like their smell, I don't like the way that uh, they learn, I don't like the way that they daven, everything is annoying about them. You know what? Things are annoying t- about you also, but you overlook them. So overlook them in, in him. Overlook them in her. Because... That's what the Torah means. Equate the love that you have for yourself to the love that you're going to have for others. You're not perfect, but yet you love yourself. They're not perfect. Love them anyway. Love them in spite of their imperfections. That's Avas Chinam, I think. Avas Chinam means I'm going to love you even though there's plenty of reasons not to love you. But I'm going to love you anyway because that's how I love myself. I love myself in spite of of all the things I do wrong, I have Abbas Chinam for myself. I love myself, even though it doesn't always have a rational reason, but I have an innate love for myself. I should be having an innate love for every yid I meet. Don't look at their flaws, look at their milas. Like the famous tefillah of Rabbi Melech Melizhensk, the Naim Melech, and it's made into beautiful songs that I should only see Mailas Chavirenu I only want to see the, the, the good in my friend. I never should see the bad. I never want to see their flaws. I should have like rose-colored glasses on my face at all times. I only see the positive in people. I don't see their negatives. There are people like that. There are people that actually do this. There are people that mamish like you, there could be the most annoying person in the world, and they only see good in them. They don't see any bad. If you want to get a, a, a tremendous book to read, maybe Ben Azmanim, um, order the book. It's a new book by Art School. It's called Just Love Them. It's a biography by, um, it was written by Rabbi Israel Besser, who's a great, great author, one of my favorite authors. And it's about Rabbi David Trenk, Zechitzadik Levracha, who was a, uh, he was a Rebbe, he was a Mashpia, he was, he was a Tzaddik. 
And the stories in that book are, are it's a game changer. I, I've convinced many people to buy the book. I wanted to order copies for every Rebbe in my son's yeshiva because he was such a perfect Rebbe that he was able to see all of the milas in, in, in Talmidim and no chesreinus. Like there's a story that one guy came to him for an interview and this kid was like half off the derech or whatever. He came in jeans and a t-shirt and, 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 uh, and then he came into yeshiva and he realized that it, he was dressed inappropriately for his fa'er. Like, I don't know where he thought he was going, but he basically, and he apologized to David Trenk, who, was, who met him, and uh, was talking to him, schmoozing with him, and said, I'm sorry that I'm dressed this way, I'm embarrassed that I'm so underdressed, and, you know, I hope you don't look at me in the wrong light. He said, until you just said that, I promise you, I didn't even see what you were wearing. I didn't even notice it. In other words, he wasn't judgmental. He didn't label people. He didn't put people in a cubbyhole right away. Okay, this guy is modern. This guy is OTD. This guy is Modox. This guy is Conservadox. This guy is Hasidox. This guy is, uh, you know, uh, Litvax. Everybody, we have, a, we have a title for everybody. And that's a very bad thing. Look at the Hakdam of the Nitziv to the Hamik Dover. It's a fascinating, uh, fascinating homework assignment I'm giving you. In the Hakdama to his classical save in Hamik Dover, he writes that that was really the reason for the Churban Bayis. He says that people were from, people learned Taira, but they didn't like the Hashkafis of the other people. They, that not, they weren't off the Dara, they weren't Michal Shabbos they were from, it just, they, they were of a different... Hashkafa, maybe they were more Mizrahi, maybe they were more uh, Satmar, maybe they were Litvish, maybe they were uh, Tyrodic, they were this, they were the, uh, whatever. They weren't doing anything wrong. I just don't like you. You're different than me. And, and because you're different than me, then it's the rights that they looked at one another like Minin, like Apikorsim. We look at them like they're not even a Chalik of Klai Yisrael, and we do, we're guilty of this in both directions. Sometimes we look at Satmar Hasidim or Natura Karta or whatever, like they're in a world to themselves, like we don't like them because they're extremists. Sometimes we look at the very far to the left people, they're too extreme and they're not Nizar and Mitzvahs like they should be. We're perfect. We're centrist or whatever. We're, we we got it just right. But you know what? That's not true because people, you know, Satmar people or whatever, Hasidic should be, they'll look at us like, like we're, we're the leftists and they look at the other people. So no one ever has a, no one's perfect. Everyone's always, normal is a very relative term. But that's what caused the Chorban. That's Sinas Chinam. Sinas Chinam means, I don't like you because you're different than me. Isn't that ultimately why I don't like somebody? If you're my friend and you have the same personality, we have the same hobbies and the same interests and the same ambitions, then we like each other. But if you're different than me, you're from a different place, you went to a different yeshiva, you, you, you speak Hebrew in a different havara, you, you, know, you, you dress different, you act different, suddenly there's like a, whoa, you're different. That's sinas chinam. Avas chinam means I don't care. I really don't care what you're dressed like. I don't care what color your yarmulke is. I don't care if you wear a yarmulke. I don't care where you live, where you daven, what you're learning. You're a yid, you're fine with me. I love you. I love you just simply for being a yid. Unconditional love. Unconditional. That's what Abbas Chinam is. I love myself unconditionally. I want to love you unconditionally. And that will build the Beis HaMikdash. If we could have that attitude, we look around 
at Yidden on the Zoom screen, at Yidden in Shul, at Yidden in, in Yeshiva, at our families, at our at people that you know we, we deal with daily, and we just make a resolution that I'm going to really look at everybody positively. I'm going to love people just simply because they're a human being, they're Niver B'Tselem Elikim, and that's it. That's Avas Chinam. No reason. I don't have any reason. I'll overlook all of your chesreinus and I'll only see your mailus. That's Avas Chinam. Unconditional love, baseless love. That's how you build the Beis HaMikdash. Let's take it a step further. How do you practically implement this? Again, I, I love bumper stickers and I love quotations, but I also love to sometimes take out my toolbox and try to practically put things into practice because otherwise you just walk away, beautiful words, and then it just goes into the ether like everything else. Let's try to understand, to figure out practically how to accomplish baseless love. We understand now why we should do it. We understand now how it's the antidote to sinas chinam we don't yet know really how to do it. So I want to tell you two stories that I heard from a Rebbe of mine, and I think that it's going to be very instructive to really giving us a workshop of, of Avaz Chinam. My Rebbe had a, a very close colleague who was also a Rebbe in his yeshiva. And this colleague of his, so we'll call him from now on the Rebbe, he had a classroom. I don't know if it was elementary school, middle school, high school, I'm not sure of the age, it doesn't really matter. And he was a great Rebbe, superstar Rebbe, but there was one boy that he just didn't like. He just didn't like. He just had... I don't want to call it sinas chinam, but he just was like very indifferent to this boy. He lacked a certain chen. And not only did he not like him, but none of his friends, none of the kids in the class liked him. He wasn't nice, very bad midas, very mean, very ill-tempered and, you know, ill-mannered and, and just crass and, and just undignified, uncouth, whatever you want to say about him. He wasn't a polished boy. And he didn't have chayn, he didn't, he didn't look nice, he didn't act nice, he didn't speak nice, he was just like very rough. And it was a problem, because, you know, the Rebbe really wanted to establish a, a relationship with him, but he didn't know how. One day, at PTA meetings, the parents came in, and he thought, okay, Achachi has parents, at least his parents probably love him. But his parents, like, volunteered to the Rebbe that... They don't like their kid either. You know, you know, they love him, but they don't like him. He just, he's not a good kid. He, they, have, they have such agmas nefesh room, such, such troubles, and like they, he gives them sleepless nights, and he's not, comes home angry, he's not in a good mood, he's not happy, he doesn't help, he's just not, not somebody that he, uh, he just can't, they, 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 they just don't know what to do with him. They're basically, he's the kid that they, you know, that they, they just don't know what to do with Now, this rabbi was really blown away by this PTA meeting because, you know, you think, okay, the friends might not like him, I might not like him, I'll get through the year, we'll coast and, like, let the next rabbi 
you know, worry about it. But the parents are the parents. Laman Hashem, the parents should love the kid. If the parents don't love the kid, who's going to love the kid? So he took it upon himself that he wants to really change this boy's life. This boy was going to be his pet project now for the rest of the year. As long as there's still a year left, he's going to make him his project. How did he do it? What he did was remarkable. He started lavishing tremendous amounts of love on this boy. Tremendous amount of attention on this boy. So if this boy would like, you know, be sitting in sheer and he would even like remotely mutter an answer that the Rebbe posed, a question to, to a question the Rebbe posed, he would like, the Rebbe would get up, he would hug the boy, dance together, like an inordinate amount of love, an inordinate amount of simcha, of joy. He would take walks with him by recess and call him on Arab Shabbos, wishing him a good shop. He was mamish putting so much into this boy. And he said that a remarkable thing happened. As soon as I put love in, I invested love into this boy, suddenly he had a tremendous amount of chen to me. I didn't see that lack of chen. I saw him as malay chen, as full of chen. And not only did I see him as full of chen, he saw himself as full of chen. And then his friends saw him as being bachent. And then his parents, and his parents started calling the Rebbe and saying, I don't know what you did, but don't stop the magic. You're doing something extraordinary with our son, your mamish being Mechaia Mason. You're reviving the dead. He's happy, he comes home happy, he comes home with a purpose, with a drive, with ambition. He sings Miras on Shabbos, he's learning, he's chazering, he's doing. We don't know what you did, but like bottle it and sell it because it's very valuable what you're doing. What was he doing? This is Avas Chinam. Avas Chinam means not just, okay, I'll, 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 I'll be more understanding with you. I'm not going to hate you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tolerate you. No, no, no. Tolerating is not Ava. Ava means, like Rav Dessler famously says, that the Shairish, the root of the word Ava is have. Have means to give. Rav Dessler says that the more, that's why a parent loves a baby so much. The baby doesn't do anything for the parent. What does the baby do? The baby cries. The baby makes you change his diaper every or her diaper every minute. Uh, the baby uh, screams in the car. The baby screams on an airplane. What does a baby do for a parent? But yet a parent would would you know lie on a train track and get run over for their baby. Why? Because the more love that you put into something, the more you love that thing. Love is not a function like the world thinks of what you get. Oh, if I want to be, you want to love me? Give me a diamond ring. Or you want me to love you rather? Give me a diamond ring. No. The, when I give you the diamond ring, I'm going to love you more because I invested in you. It's not that you're going to love me because I gave you the diamond ring. You, love is fostered by giving to somebody. By giving to somebody. That's Ava. Ava is have. You want to love somebody? Give to that person. Give to that person. Invest in that person. This is true, by the way, with everything in life. In the olden days, before 
the internet was created, so there was no way of, let's say, checking your stocks on the stock market. How did you check your stocks? Unless you had a broker you called and whatever, you asked him, you know, what's IBM at right now? But otherwise, there's no thing to go and type into and you see right away in real time how much the stock is worth. So you waited until the next morning. You got your New York Times delivered to your front door. You opened the paper. And this is my breakfast. My father, every day, would open up the paper to the business section and look at this very, very fine print. He had to put on his, his reading glasses and read very, very fine print. It's mamish like a size 1 font, maybe. Maybe a size 0.01 font. Very small because you have to fit 10,000 or you know 10 million stocks in that paper. And what the high, the low, the 52-week high and low, the, the close, everything, all that information has to be packed into, into a little thing, and that's it. Somebody once said a great part. All of those little tiny stocks are so small, except one stock. You know what that stock is? The stock that you own. As soon as I buy IBM, that's not a little thing that I can't read. That IBM is like, Banner headline big. It's like a size 45 font. That's how big it is. You know why? To me, it's chashev. Because I invested in it. If I invest in something, I put my money into it, it's mine. It's part of my family. It's part of me. It's, uh, I, I, colonize, I colonize that company and it's now mine. I feel like I'm an owner in IBM. That's how life is. Whatever you invest in, you love. You invest in your marriage, you really put a lot of effort into it, making it nice and romantic and, and buying and, and flying and traveling and, and, and you do that, you're going to have a successful marriage. You know why? Because not that she's going to love you better for all, you're going to love her better because you gave so much. Because you put yourself into it. You love yourself. Like Rabbi Salaam says, you have Avas Atzmai. Now you're colonizing. She's part of you because you invest in her. If you have a roommate and you can't stand the guy, I have so many guys that come to me in yeshiva, you know, when we had yeshiva um, and we had rooms and we had dormitories and there were actually people sleeping in there, they come, I have it all every day, I don't know every day, but like very often I can't stand my roommate. What's wrong with him? I don't know. He gets, he comes in too late. He wants to go to sleep too early. He's, uh, he's not nice. He leaves his socks on the floor. He doesn't make his bed. He leaves pots in the, in the, in the sink and he doesn't wash. Well, we all know the Tyra. How do you change that? Okay, so the easy thing is change rooms, but that's, that's easier said. That's not fixing the problem. That's just putting a Band-Aid on a problem. How do you solve it? Because this is a problem you're going to have in life. You're going to have, uh, it's going to go from a, a roommate that you don't like to, a, to a, um, a cubicle made at work that you don't like. It's going to go from, uh, you know, a spouse or a family member that you don't like, a guy that you, live, that you sit next to in shul that you don't like, it's never going to end. So you have to figure out, you're not going to always be able to just easily transition out of the situation. You have to learn how to deal with the situation. So what's the, what's the secret weapon that we're learning this morning? How do you do this? Avas How do you implement Avas Invest in that person. When you invest in that person, you don't like that person because he's not a part of you yet. You know what you do? You say, hey, you want to go for supper tonight? I'm going to, I'm going to the pizza store. Can I bring you back a slice? Um, you want to come with me for, you want to come to my house for Shabbos? Suddenly, as soon as you did that one act 
of inviting somebody for Shabbos, inviting somebody to eat with you, going to a restaurant, bring back food. The guy is sick in bed, and you 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 know you were nice enough to bring him back a bagel for breakfast. That act that you did, forget about what he's going to feel about you, which is going to be tremendous. But you're going to love him now because now he's your he's your appendage, he's your colony, he's he's somebody that you gave ava to. Chinam was not there's no reason for it. I don't like him naturally. But you can change an entire situation by injecting Ava into the person, by giving. And the more you give, the more you get. The more you give love, the more you feel love, the more you're going to get back love. You can take a person that's coarse and no chain, and you can mamish rehabilitate that person right before your eyes just by little acts of chesed with that person. Doing nice things, saying nice things, inviting them, and suddenly you go from being a per, a person that you can't stand to being a person that you really like. I have I have a few very close friends in life, and some of them I hit it off with right away. We were like you know brothers in arms, and everything was amazing. And Baruch Hashem, we have very great. There was one guy in particular that when I first met him, I could not stand him. He was always like the third wheel. Like I had another, I had a friend. We were very close friends, and this guy was friendly with my friend. So you know, wherever, whenever we went out to eat, let's say to a pizza store, this guy would tag along, and he was driving me nuts. He just was not my cup of tea, and he would like, you know, he just always whatever he did was I found annoying. I don't know why. It was just like he he wasn't trying to annoy. He was just doing his own thing, but. It, then my friend got married, my, you know, my, and, and so it got a little quiet in the dormitory. And the Les Brera, like I looked at this guy, you know, I'll, I'll try to make him my friend. And, you know, we went out together, whatever. Before you know it, like we became also very, very close friends. It's possible by giving and investing to turn around somebody that you don't like into somebody that you like. You could turn an enemy into your friend and into your closest friend. You don't have to trash the guy. You don't have to move rooms. You don't have to move tables. You don't have to move cubicles, get a new job. There's a much easier solution, and that's just give him something or give her something. Invest in that person. A compliment, a smile, a, a present, an invitation, whatever it is, a little acts, nothingness. As soon as you do that, you'll find something really magical happens. You're going to start liking that person. Avas chinam. It's an ava that came from really nothing. It's, it's yesh ayin. Like HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world ex nihilo is the fancy Latin way of saying that. I hope I pronounced it right, but I guess no one's Latin here, so um, I think we're fine. Mean, meaning something from nothing. That's how Hashem created the world. Something from nothing. Now we think only Hashem could do that. Only Hashem could take nothingness and create matter from nothingness. It's not true. We could do that also. Avas chinam is yesh You take nothing. I have nothing with you. I don't like you. We have nothing in common. You annoy me. You grate on my nerves. But I'm going to make a yesh I'm going to somehow flip it all around. And I'm going to make you somebody that I really love. Amazing. Amazing trick. I have another story really just to illustrate this. Uh, another beautiful story. This is a story that was told over by the great Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnenfeld. Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnenfeld, the tzaddik, the gadol, the Pesach Hadar, everything, is a Rav Yerushalayim, 
and he told of the story that there was a in Europe back I guess maybe 150 years ago let's say there was a uh, a miser in town what's a miser a miser is a guy that's a snitcher a tattle bearer he's the one that you know everybody in in town hates because he snitches to the government he gets everyone in trouble the Yidin are not uh, obeying the laws, they're not paying their taxes, they're not uh, respecting the government officials, they're talking badly behind your backs, they're, uh, they're mutinous, they're, and this is a Yid, but he, for whatever reason, you know, would like to ingratiate himself with, uh, with the authorities, so, so basically, uh, you know, he's called a Meiser, he's based on Meiser in, in Klal Yisrael is, is always somebody that's very, very despised. Because there's no lower form of life than a miser. Well, to turn your brother, your own brothers in, and to side with with Gayim and authorities over your brothers, and it's a terrible, terrible thing. Obviously, you know there are certain cases that it's uh, that it's permissible to, you know, and that that's obviously not what we're talking. We're talking about cases that it's not permissible. Okay. So there was a miser in town, and the whole town was petrified of him. Because they, they knew that if they don't, you know, treat him with kid gloves, who knows what he's going to snitch about us, the government. They're going to come in, they're going to sweep into town and arrest people and charge us crazy taxes. And so they really had to tread very, very gingerly around this, this miser. What happened was, every Shabbos, they would give this miser shishi, the sixth aliyah to the Torah every Shabbos. Now, Shishi um, by Hasidim is huge. Shishi is the aliyah. By Litvaks, it's Shlishi. If you're in a like a yeshiva, you want to get Shlishi. Uh, but if you're in a if you're in a uh, if you're in a Hasidish Shtibel, you want to get Shishi. That's the aliyah that you want to get. You know, there's a famous joke that um, there was a, a very pompous Jew that once traveled and he went into a strange town that, he, that no one knew who he was, but he was very arrogant and he was there for Shabbos and a very wealthy guy with a top hat and with a, with a suit, with a vest, with a whole nine yards and, he, you know, and they call him up and they give him chamishi. Uh, chamishi is not, you know, I'm not saying that if you get chamishi you should, you know, walk out of the room. It's still chashav aliyah, but it's still, you know, chamishi is like uh, the bronze medal winner. It's good to win a bronze medal, but it ain't silver, it ain't gold. So, so this Yid, uh, you know, get, he gets called up for Chamishi, and he, uh, he tells the, uh, the, and he's very upset. You see the smoke coming out of his ears, the whole Aliyah, he's like, he's beside himself that somebody would dare give him Chamishi. And, uh, and after he gets an Aliyah, he shakes the guy by his hand, you know, just because that's what you're supposed to do, or at least they used to be what you were supposed to do. And then, uh, and he says to the Gabbai, he says, I want you to know something, buddy. He says, where I come from, where the city that I come from, he says, they give chamishi to the dog. That's who gets chamishi. So the Gabbai is a very quick-witted guy. He says, yeah, that's our minic too. Anyway, but, um, so this guy got shishi every single Shabbos. Every Shabbos he got shishi because they were so scared of him. Now, the Rav, the old Rav, who was very into uh, placating this Meiser, he retired or he died, and they got a brand new Rav. And the Rav 
knew that when he came into town that this was the miser everybody's scared of and this Rav was coming in you know with young blood he's not afraid of anything he's brave he's courageous and this guy gets called up for Shishi he's walking to the tire like it's his Aliyah you know he owns it and the Rav is not going to tolerate this and the Rav starts screaming at the miser from his pulpit what shaykhus what kesher what association do you have with Tyra that we should give you Shishi Aliyah every Shabbos? You're a miser. You're the lowest form of life. You snitch on us, the government, daily. You don't deserve Shishi. You don't deserve to be called to the Tyra, to ascend to the Tyra every Shabbos. Feh! Get out of shul! Uh, this miser was not happy. And, you know, with a huff and a puff, he walks out of shul and everybody... You know, I was thinking, you know, this rabbi should really not buy green bananas anymore. Not a good idea. There's no, no, he's, you know, he ain't living out, you know, 24 hours. That's it. He's finished. You know, maybe double your life insurance policy right after Shabbos, something. You got to do something. This is not a good idea. You don't set up with that miser. Maybe nobody, he didn't get the memo, I guess. But like, this was something that was a real faux pas, a real mistake. So... The next day, this Rav was walking, was driving in a, in like a, in a carriage, in a caravan with a lot of Balabatim and Talmidim, wherever they were going, and all of a sudden, like out of a movie, they see this Miser coming opposite them on the street, to him and a whole band of like soldiers and FBI agents and SWAT teams, and you know, this was not a good scene. The Rav quickly says to the Talmidim, you know, hide, just get out. They, they're coming after me. There's no reason for you to be in the way. You hide, hide behind the caravan, hide behind trees. Just, just get out of sight, which they did. But they were still watching, like, what was going on. And they, they didn't think that, you know, that this Rav had, he, you know, they probably, like, slipped him, like, a Vidui card or something. They, they didn't think that he would live out, uh, you know, the moment. And they watched what was about to unfold before their eyes. Something tremendous just happens right now. The Rav approaches this big band of people and they're like, you know, they're gunning for him. And the Rav is like walking slowly to them. And all of a sudden this Miser, who they thought was going to like take out a gun and shoot him, he gets down on his knees and he begs the Rav for Mechila. He's crying. He says, I'm so sorry that I was, I, I was a miser on the community and you should forgive me. You're the new Rav. You're the Mara de Astra. You were right for throwing me out of shul. Please find ways that I could be machaper for myself for all that I've done. He was literally crying and he, the soldiers around him were like, what's up with him? Like, what happened to him? And the Talmudim were like, what's, what's up with him? And like, nobody knew what was going on. And that's how it ended. The Rav starts walking back to this caravan and in, you know, to the caravan compiles all the Talmidim and the Balabatim and they say, Rabbi, what just happened? What happened? So he said as follows. He says, what happened was as follows. As I was walking to the Miser, I said, you know, this is the end. There's no hope. There's no hope for me. I mean, I'm dead. But then I remembered a Pasuk in Mishlei Shleim HaMelech writes, Kimayim panim lepanim, Kain lev adam el adam. Just like water reflects a face to a face, 
Meaning, if you, let's say, want to see a reflection, you look over into a pool of water, into a pond of water, and if it's dark enough, you'll be able to see a reflection. Cain lev adam el adam. That's how it is. Between man and another man, their hearts are in sync with each other. Just like my face is reflected in water, I see if I smile into my Havdalah cup, I see my reflection back, smiling back at me. That's how it is with people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wired the universe in such a way that whatever I give, that's what I get. If I feel love to you, you'll feel love back to me. If I feel just nothing but negativity towards you, you'll feel negative towards me. It works the other way also. If I want to know, let's say, how you feel about me, let's say I want to know, how do you feel about me? Very easy. Think about how you feel about, how I feel about you. If I feel good about you, there's a very good chance you have a good feeling towards me. If I don't like you, there's a good chance you don't like me. This Rav said as follows. I thought about this passing and I said, let's try it. Let's give, let's give Shlomo Melech a test drive. He says, I started thinking about this miser, and I thought like this. You know, I look at him, I already labeled him, tarred and feathered him, he's a miser. How did he become a miser? How did that happen? It's just like one day you decide to, you read an article, you know, an ad in the classifieds, miser wanted. Like, how do you, how do you become a miser? How does that happen? What's the, what's the evolution of a miser? It must be Nebuch, this guy probably had a Rebbe who abused him, or he had parents that were disgusting to him. He had no friends, maybe he had no money, and, he, and maybe he, he wanted tzedakah, and he turned him down flatly. And, and, and basically, there was no... Uh, he didn't have a... He probably has a very tragic life story. Maybe there, but for the grace of God, go on. Maybe if I would have grown up in the house, that he would have been much... I'd been a double miser. Who knows what I would be if I was him. And I was, I was just swept up with sympathy and compassion and pity for this individual. He's an individual. He's a yid. He's a human being. And yes, he is, he's done a lot of bad stuff, but, but it didn't happen in a vacuum. There's a reason for it. And it's like, like all of a sudden he had a, a welling of, of, of passion, a swollen uh, heart of longing and yearning to try to help this person. Not to look at him as, an, as a natural enemy, but to try to rehabilitate him, to make him into a, a regular human being. And as soon as I thought about him in that way, suddenly everything changed. He, like Shlomo Melch predicted, had a change of heart towards me. As soon as I thought good things about him, he thought good things about me. As soon as I had compassion for him, he had compassion on me. And he begged me, Mechila, and we, we're friends now. This is such a great trick for life. I call it a trick, and it sounds like I'm trying to fool somebody, and I, I'm sorry for using that term. But it is a great trick in life. It's a trick that works every time it's tried. Every time you want to really work on your ava for somebody, and it might be for people that I'm not even mentioning, it might be for a Rebbe. Maybe you don't like your Rebbe. Right away, okay, I want a different channel like my Rebbe. Maybe try this out. Maybe try listening to your Rebbe. Maybe try, try helping your Rebbe carry his svarim. Maybe uh, tell your Rebbe that you loved his shir. Do something for your Rebbe, then suddenly th- something will change. It always does. Every time this is tried, it works. Try it. Try it. 
roommates, siblings. Yeah, if you if you look at somebody with a certain look, and you say the person is disgusting, mean, terrible person, and you you know completely demonize that person, things will never change. If you say, wait a minute, yeah, he's talking like a, a weird guy, he's talking like a guy that I don't like, he has no chen, but maybe Nebuch, the reason why he has no chen is because there are things about his life that I don't know. Maybe if I would stop and ask him what happened, then it would be a completely different thing. It happens all the time. There are pieces to the puzzle that we don't know about. I always advocate in yeshiva that we should have like meetings amongst, amongst the rabbeim, like a monthly meeting, let's say for Rosh and, you know, put some uh, food on the table and have the rabbeim talk. Because a lot of times, one rabbi might know something about a Talmud that the other rabbi might not know. Maybe there's a situation at home that we're not aware of, and if I would know about it, I'd, I'd be full of compassion for that person. I just don't know. So I think of the person as, you know, as being just a guy. He doesn't come to Shir, he doesn't wake up for Davin, he doesn't, he never comes over to me. So I think, okay, he's a bad guy. But maybe another Rebbe has a, has a piece of the puzzle that I don't because I never bothered or the guy never volunteered it. But maybe, maybe there's a terrible financial situation at home. Maybe, I don't know, whatever, maybe he has a sickness. Maybe he has a, his, one of his parents uh, have, have a big problem or there's, not, there's no Shalom Bayes in the house or, or a million other things that happened in his childhood that I won't know about unless I, I, I bother understanding him. It's so important to only deal with somebody with compassion and thinking this way. If a person is not desirable, it's not because they're a terrible person. Something triggered that. Something caused that. And if you feel compassion, then you'll start giving and helping. And, and, and just like if an ani would come to the door, hopefully you'd feel compassion and listen to what he's saying and give money. If you have a roommate that is not doing well, you'll feel compassion, give your time, give a nice word, offer to do something for him. And as soon as you do that, you will build the most glorious relationship with that person. That's Abbas Chinam. This is the workshop that I'm, we're doing today in the, on the subject of Ava and Abbas Chinam. If you ever want to love somebody, and, and now's the time to do it, if you have somebody that you don't like, let's start with that. Somebody that you don't necessarily hate, but you never liked and is not, call him up. Wish him a good Shabbos. See how he's doing in Corona. The second that you do that, the stock will rise. Your relationship will go through the roof. It will soar. And then the more you do that and the more he reciprocates or she reciprocates, the more that everything will flourish. This is how it is. This is how life is. This is how Kedush Baruch Hu designed us. And I believe this is the time to learn about it. Bein HaMetzarim, the nine days before Tisha B'Av, Sinas Chinam, Avas Chinam. How do you do Avas Chinam? Love the person with their flaws. How do you love a person with their flaws? Understand their flaws. And then say, I'm going to try to give and give and give until I don't see those flaws anymore. I'm going to build the love by have by just giving and giving and giving more. And understand Rav Dessler's formula for love, that the more you give, the more you love. And once we master this, we will be like amazing people. Amazing. Because there won't be a single person in life that we won't be able to, to change and to love and to reform and to make things better. The great Rav Shlomo Freifeld, the, Rashiva, the late Rashiva of Shariyashev, 
was a pioneer in Kirov, and I don't want to tell all the stories. It's another great book by Rousseau Abbas that you should get called Rup Shlema. But he used to have a key in a frame behind, in at the back side of the back wall of his office. Meaning, when he had somebody sitting opposite him at his desk, behind that person was on the wall. There was a frame with like a velvet background and a key on it. I don't know if it was a big key, a small, whatever it is, there was a key in a frame. Why did he have that? When I was putting out my book, Great Jewish Treasures, I wanted to take a picture of that and put it in the book because I thought it was such a great thing. And But nobody, the Yarshim who I spoke to, didn't know what happened to it. But the um, they asked him, why do you have a frame with a key in it? He said like this, when I'm speaking to somebody and these people have problems and issues and sadness and, and all types of tragedy that they're trying to cope with, he says, I have to remind myself that every single person has a lock on them. And you can open the lock, but you have to know which key to use. And as soon as you know which key to use, you can unlock their hearts, you can unlock their lives, you can open them up and you could change their entire existence by doing so. So I keep a key behind them to say to myself, find the key. Find the key. You'll, you could figure it out. You could do this. One person needs to be praised. One person needs a hug. One person needs a little bit of tough love. One person needs to, I have to sing to them. One person has to I have to tell a gishmaka joke to, a vartu. Every person has something that I can unlock. This that we're saying today is the key to unlocking everybody. It's a master key to unlocking everybody. Everybody's heart can be unlocked by giving to them. Giving to them. Giving love. Giving compassion. Giving, giving attention. When we do that, we unlock their hearts and we open our hearts at the same time. And we're able to be such tremendous human beings. And once we're able to do this, then that's it. Mashiach will come. Eliyahu Navi will come to be Mavasar the Geula, and Mashiach will come right after that. Aimer Lutzian Malach Alekayach Akadishparcho will be Mashre Shchina on the Harabayas. The Tainus of Tishabah will be Nepach Lesasin. It will be flipped over, just like we flip over our perceptions of people. We'll be able to flip the yantif of Tishuba from being the, the darkest, saddest day of the calendar to the most joyous day on the calendar. But it takes this key of giving, of bothering to give, of caring enough to give, to unlock the hearts of everybody around us, the people that we love and the people that we don't love yet. When we do that in Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeichet to Yeshuas and Achames and to Mashiach Tzidkenu, Mehira Biyameinu, Amen, Amen. Thank you so much for coming.